fellow fiends. Welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And we are talking girl power. That's right, we're talking girl power, singular. No, no S. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> we have Dario Argento's Phenomena and Stephen King's Firestarter, directed by Mark L. Lester. <laughs> so, just touching on girl power here. Yep. Uh, you saved the file with an S, and when I went to go edit it, I was like, Girl Powers? What is this? Yeah. I thought it was a mistake. And then you were talking Girl Powers, like, all evening. And I was like, I don't think he knows that it's, like, Girl Power, like... No, Girl Powers. No. More than meets the eye. No, girl, yeah. yeah, more than meets the eye. Girl <laughs> Power. <laughs> I'm just saying, John, it's a state of mind. And for me, it's a play on words. It's that state of mind, but in movie form with powers to talk with bugs and fire... We went into this week a little bit blind. Uh, both films I have been trying to get on the podcast for a really long time, and I, I, I kind of regret it. I apologize, John. You were right. You were like, I don't want to do these movies. And I was like, no, it'll be great. It'll be so good. We have such a good theme. Girl power so good. Both these girls have powers, but it's girl power. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, hadn't seen Phenomena before. Hadn't seen Firestarter since I was a kid. Yep. Um, and it's still as boring as it ever was. Don't spoil the episode. <laughs> they are in for a full hour of that. <laughs> okay, well, before we get started, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Uh, there is a lot happening this week, and it's kind of um, on the fly. We just got the Suspiria trailer. We're getting the Halloween trailer. Hereditary is coming out. So, like, we need to download some serious horror movie talk right now. Like, a lot of Dario Argento talk, really, right? Um, yes, that's Suspiria trailer. Suspiria! Yeah! Uh, SpaghettiOs! Oh, I'm gonna say that. <laughs> Do you need some witches in your skittios? Before we get into that trailer, though, I also recently watched Tenebrae, and I fucking loved it. Tenebrae? I don't know how you... Uh, Tenebrae. Oh. Yeah. I believe it's Italian, or French? Italian. For... Anima? No. <laughs> Was it... Oh, oh, Christmas tree? Fuck. Yeah. Oh, Tenebrae. Oh, Tenebrae. <laughs> Is it Backbone? I'll kill all your... A Tenebrae women. sounds like it could be a Backbone, but that's just me... Doing that for the first time just now. Fuck, I don't remember what it means. Point is, uh, it's a Dario Argento movie about a novelist who's put out a book called Tenebrae, and somebody's going around killing a bunch of women just like it's written in his book. Really good. Did you know and... that that's a true thing that happened? 
You're fucking kidding. True story. I don't know any facts, so this is a terrible, like... Okay. This is a terrible news situation I'm doing right now. I just read it in... In fact, oh, And I read it in somebody's article on our very own website. Oh, okay. And it just left my brain. So, there's this guy that actually killed a bunch of people, but they didn't find out till like, 30 years later when he wrote a fictional novel Whoa. about a serial killer and a bunch of murders, but it had facts in it that the police had kept hidden from the original case that only the serial killer could have known. So, he was arrested well after his book had been published about fictional murders with true murder facts in them. And I think they're making that book into a movie. Can't remember Whoa. the title of it, but it's somewhere on our website. So maybe if you want to Google those weird, vague facts, you might get some really interesting Wikipedia articles. Damn. Yeah. That's a wild story. Yeah. And it was like 30 years after the crime. It was like super cold case. And that, then is, somebody that, that, is the, that is the most insane, like, revisiting the crime scene there's ever been. Yeah. Ugh. We should read that book. I'm totally going to read That book's probably not available. Are you kidding Morbid. me? Morbid. No, it's definitely available. They're making a movie out of it, I think. Um, back on Suspiria, because we didn't talk about it at all. You talked about Tenebrae or whatever. I've also been listening to the soundtrack a lot. It's It's crazy. got a really good soundtrack. I will, Great soundtrack. I, I will agree. I was not, and I think I'm among a lot of people that was not really anticipating this remake reboot reimagining of Suspiria yeah because he's come out uh, the director whose name I can remember Luca directed by your last name he's come out and said that it's not necessarily a remake so much as it's a reimagining it's an homage to the original classic I think it's probably the smart way to do it. Yeah, and judging from the trailer, it really looks like that. Like, it's it's not um, utilizing any of the original, like, theme or um, color scheme or any of that, like, iconic imagery that you would associate with Suspiria, but it still has that, like, moody authenticity of the original. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe how it's completely different, but it still feels... <laughs> Moody. I think it's a, a different of... kind of moody, but it's moody. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of different moods. You know, like obviously this is going to be really well shot. I'm sure it's going to look gorgeous, but it's not going to be as visual as the original Suspiria for sure. But it still has that um, mysterious witch cult at the center of this dance studio, mm-hmm. and it looks a little bit more expanded on. There's a lot. Um, at least from the tra- trailer that I was getting, that was outside of the dance hall. There's more, like, investigative stuff. Yeah, it's not just going to be one blind guy going to Oktoberfest and getting eaten by dogs later on. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 going to be a bigger world, super paranoid, super cool thriller. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, so that comes out in November, so I'm sure we're all going to be excited and anticipating that. Pretty good chance it might get nominated for an Oscar. Just saying. It's coming out during Oscar season. Directed by a guy whose film was nominated for Oscars. It could fucking happen. You know what would be great? If Halloween got nominated for an Oscar. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be bonkers? That'd be insane. Uh, so Halloween trailer comes out this Friday. We have not yet seen it at the time of recording. At the time of listening, you have probably not seen it. Um, Hereditary comes out tonight, technically tomorrow. We're anticipating it maybe premiering at the head of that. It'll be on the internet definitely by this weekend. Yeah. So we're all going to be living in a post-Halloween trailer world after that. I'm super excited. I'm very excited. I don't even know what to expect. I, I don't have any expectations because I'm just going into this just like with blind faith. Yeah. Every decision they've made so far has been so um, refreshing. I started out with like no expectations at all. And then every little tidbit of news, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And yeah. so now I just like, 
I don't think they could do any wrong. I haven't even seen the movie or the trailer yet. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where we can go from here. I don't know if we can keep going up. <laughs> yeah, it's been like an avalanche of good decisions. Yeah. All around. Yeah, I'm super pumped for it. And the internet is so pumped for it. It's like, a teaser the- trailer, though. It, well, I mean, it's... We're it, only going to watch the teaser trailer, so, like... I don't, I, yeah, I, I do not want to know much. I just want to... I want a first glimpse, I want a sniff wanna, of it, yeah, and, and then, then I, I want to put it away. My eyes down. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be just a wild guess. You know uh, You know what? This It's probably not going to be this at all, because it's what everybody would expect. Jamie Lee Curtis carving a pumpkin, and in the background, we just see that mask fade in from the darkness, Ooh. like in the original movie. I'm expecting, like, a little introductory, like, we're gonna get back into Haddonfield, and we're gonna see, like, all the, the town recovered, and everybody decorates for Halloween again, because, mm. like, we're getting back into celebrating Halloween. Halloween's about family, and kids, and yeah. then he comes back. What if it's like the end of the movie where we're just seeing shots of the hallway, the staircase, the outside? It's not going to be the same damn house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. She's a grandma now. (laughs) You know what I'd like to do? Buy the house that was the worst day of my life. That would be fun. Tell Bobby to get the fuck out. It's my house now. Was that the name of the kid? Bobby sounds like a kid you'd babysit. But as you mentioned, Hereditary is coming out this weekend. Oh. Very excited. Um, yeah, we talk about this so much. It's literally been, like, the highlight of every bonus episode we've done for the past, like, four weeks. I hope it doesn't hurt the movie. Not us specifically, but the fact that... The hype? Yeah. No. See, wrong hype, yes. But the thing is, is, like, I thought this was going to be a huge movie, and we've been talking to, like, our non-horror friends, and they're not on board with it yet. And yes. so, like, mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been rattling people who, like, aren't horror people to be like, you need to go see this. It's going to be The Exorcist. Yeah, you're going to wish <laughs> that you had seen this movie in the theater. Exactly. Like, you do not want to miss out on the, like, the opportunity of seeing something that's going to shake you to your core mm-hmm. in a movie experience. That doesn't happen now. We're all numbed by the internet and our damn millennial um, egos that we don't. <laughs> nothing shakes us. Nothing rattles us. We don't have any love or passion. So, like, go see a movie that's going to make you feel something. Yeah, something that's going to tap into your id and fucking ruin you in your core. And we're just like, you want to have the worst Friday night ever? (laughs) Come with us. We rented a bus. And our friends are just like, no. But Tony Collette, like that's tipping the scales a little bit for them, I think. So I listened to the A24 podcast the other day Mm -hmm. and Tony Collette was on. It was like a special kind of interview thing with her. Did you know that she was in (laughs) that M. Night Shyamalan movie? About the kid that can see dead people. Was she acted yes. in? Yes. So, when she, <laughs> <laughs> um, when she acted in Sixth Sense, she was like 23 or 25 or something. No. Yes. I've always been like, Tony Collette is ageless. She has played a 35-year-old woman for 40 years. It's because she was in her early 20s when she came to, like, American Hollywood. No. She was a young adult. But she was... Oh, what was the name of that movie she did in Australia? Something, something's wedding. Muriel's wedding? wedding? Muriel's wedding. How old was she in she that? Was 12? In her, she was like 19. There's only four years between that movie and Sixth Sense? Damn. That's a yeah, movie. she's not eternal. She was just really she's young. Not when she came to home. We've cracked the code. <laughs> Seriously, I thought she was a vampire. A wonderfully acted vampire. <laughs> Oh, she's going to get nominated for an Oscar. I hope she gets she nominated for this. Better. The release time is kind of weird, though, because it's June. I, I'm hoping people don't forget it by then. Like, I'm really hoping it has a good theater experience. I'm really banking on word of mouth for this movie. Like, there was a lot of cool, like, this is the scariest movie you'll ever see when it premiered, like, six months ago at Sundance. Um, 
I'm just really hoping everybody goes to see it. So if you're listening to this and you're on the fence, go fucking see it. Yeah, also, Upgrade's still in the theater, guys. And you go gotta see Upgrade. see Upgrade. Yes, go see Upgrade. It's not really horror, but this is like fun sci-fi movie. It's dark, it's twisted, it's fast-paced. You can bring your weird friends to it. You can bring your normal friends to it. It's fucking great. Like, there's, there is a spot reserved for it in my top ten at the end of the year. I don't know where yet. But it's in there. That's true. There is there's so much good stuff happening at the movie theater right now. And if you're one of those wieners who doesn't go to the theater <laughs> and doesn't support movies that you like in a genre that you love, like get your butt out in the next month or so and go see a bunch of movies. It's the summertime. You've earned it. Yeah, you know like sun. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> uh before we go though into the episode, we do need to do some shout-outs. We are long overdue for some Patreon supporters that we need to say thank you to. Absolutely. Zach, Nathan, Mitchell, L, Chris, Ellie, maybe? L? I'm going with L. L, Chris, thank you so much for your support, your monthly pledge at Patreon. Guys, they're coming for you. They're hiding in the woods. They're wearing their weird x-ray outfits. They're there. I know it. They know you have powers. They're listening. This is an encrypted podcast. If you're listening to this right now, it's only for you. Uh, they can't hear it because it's we're using MindFi technology. <laughs> I'm losing the thread here. But the point is, you guys can make ice. You can make fire. You're the dream team. You're the survivors from the farm. The farm? The shop. The shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're fixing to come after you, and you gotta run. Beat us at the top of which mountain will... You said which mountain in this episode <laughs> for some reason, and I don't know why. Honestly, every time there's a movie about people on the run from the government, my go-to is Escape from Which Isn't Mountain. Isn't that a kid's movie? It's a Disney movie, yeah. What? It's a live-action Disney movie. Uh, it's, a, it's a little dark for Disney. Somebody was talking to me recently about uh, Midnight Special. Just a spoiler alert, nobody saw that movie, John. Midnight Special? N- the witch- Escape to Witch Mountain? Yeah. They fucking remade it with The Rock. Everybody's familiar with it. Nobody is. Okay. Especially not me. <laughs> Thank you again, guys, for supporting the show. If you want to support Nightmare on Film Street with a monthly pledge and get all of our bonus content and all that nonsense, head to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. You want to talk about some movies? <laughs> I, sure. Let us do. <laughs> The wind, yes. The phone. Very particular wind. Typical of this part of the country. It comes from the Alps. The blasts of warm air cause snow avalanches. While it blows, there are those who say it causes madness. It's a phenomena from 1985, currently sitting at a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Fairly good. Those are some really high ratings. People love Dario Argento. I know. Dario Argento? Dario? Dario Argento. (laughs) I've decided. Well, obviously we'll get to ratings later, but I have a feeling you think that is way too high. Um... Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen Phenomena in a while, uh, or ever at all... Well, if you want to see it, it is everywhere right now. It is on every single Roku channel. It is on Shutter. Netflix, on I believe. It's on Shutter. It's on our library app. It is on everything. If you want to watch this movie, it is everywhere. Yeah. 
I don't think that's going to change. I think all of his movies will become more accessible now that the Suspiria remake's coming out. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I've been wanting to watch... I had been wanting to watch Phenomena forever. The cover has always been familiar to me. I like the font. But, yeah, like, I've always been familiar with it. I don't know if it was, like, a VHS that I'd always wanted to rent as a kid or what. Uh, I had a big Jennifer Connelly thing from Labyrinth. Had, sure. Have. Yeah. She's wonderful. <laughs> She's so wonderful. Just not in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I would probably say that it's my fault we hadn't watched it sooner. I had my back up against the wall because here's the thing. Here, here's like the, the, the elevator pitch of this movie. Jennifer Connelly has a psychic ability to talk to bugs and help solve crimes. Like, how does that sound like, ooh, can't wait to watch this? I didn't even know the solve crimes part. I was just, she's got bug powers. To be honest, I think that's all I knew as well. I assumed, given that it was a horror, that it had something to do with murder. And it's so funny, because I was so confident in this movie that I was like, we need to get it on the podcast, we need to talk it up, we need to watch it, I'm so ready. And now that I've seen it, and then had to subsequently watch it three try to watch it <laughs> three more times just so I could talk about it, I still don't know if I have anything to say. Oh, come on, there's so much to talk about in this you movie. You could watch this movie on fast forward, and it would still come to 90 minutes. There's some great shots of the Swiss no, Alps. No, it's kid. great. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's this, uh, what is it? The Swiss Transylvania. Yeah. Because yeah. of the wind that causes people to go crazy? Some I didn't say. even hear that in the, like, the first three watches of it. I just caught it in the trailer that we were refreshing with. I was like, was, is that the theme of the movie? Is that the wind makes people crazy? Oh, yeah. Donald Pleasant says it right up top. Let's at He's least also be got fair. some pr- prophetic words about bugs and their psychic abilities. And you're oh. like, you're a scientist. Okay, oh, you're a man of science. It's perfectly normal for insects to have some, a little bit of telepathy. Everyone knows this. It's a scientific fact. <laughs> Clearly, there's there's a lot of science talk in the movie, mainly because uh, using bugs to solve. I shouldn't say using bugs to solve crimes uh, by <laughs> analyzing a corpse and knowing the life cycle of different bugs that are eating that corpse, we can guess when it was killed. Well, and you can also guess, like, so say a Time body was dumped or found, you can tell where it was murdered or where it was left or whatever based on the bugs that are there. Like, oh, it's a marsh because these are wet bugs. Do you ever feel weird talking about corpses as things? Like, oh, when it was killed. Like, oh, you mean when that person was murdered? This is a terrible way to relate this, but I also do that with babies. <laughs> Well, yeah, like, oh, it's cute. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Your beautiful, gorgeous daughter Oh, I'm is... sorry I neglected to reference the bow. The bow. <laughs> so the film starts with this Swiss girl who is in the middle of nowhere in Switzerland, misses her bus, and so I guess we're just supposed to assume she was hitchhiking up to that point and she was just left in the middle of nowhere because she is literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it seems like a weird bus stop. Later in the movie, we realize that it's just... Is it just a regular bus route, or is it, like, a talking tour? Like, oh, this is... No, it's a bus route. It's just a bus route. So, the girl's in the middle of nowhere. She finds this farmhouse, also in the middle of nowhere, where she happens to be. She lets herself in. As you do. There's a lot of really cool cuts of something pulling on a chain that's attached to the wall. Some great cuts. Something's trying to break through break through and you're yeah. like girl get out of the house but she doesn't there's a really cool shot with scissors twanging <laughs> on the ground <laughs> the, the thing that we do not see is attacking her is what kim is getting at yeah no but i was just talking about the cool shots that's the thing about this movie right and and about suspiria well let's not get into it um <laughs> 
It is mostly a movie about cinematography. Yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful movie. It's just slow as balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this, kid. They really tried to, to amp it up and speed it up with some cool heavy metal. Do you know what version we watched? Was it the 110 minutes or the 116 minutes? Oh, it definitely wasn't the 90 minutes. <laughs> no, uh, felt like 116 minutes. Well, they released it on three different lengths. Like, Fuck. there was the original, which was 116, and then they released it on VHS, I think, in 110 minutes. Huh. And then when they released it to the U.S., it was called Creepers, and it was cut down to 90 minutes, which huh. is probably the version I wish I had have seen. Oh, man. Creepers is a better title. No! Yes. No. Okay, I'm putting my foot down. Well, I'm not putting my foot down, but I'm... This is a hill I'm willing to die on. Creepers is a much better title for a movie about a girl who's using bugs to solve a, a string of killings. It's not about the bugs, though. It's about her, and she's experiencing a phenomena. I suppose. But she'd never be able to do it without her little creatures. And if the whole theme of the movie is that wind makes people crazy, that is also a phenomena. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily the wind. I think it's just a nice, clever tale that he's telling. That's like calling Some say the wind Silence of the Lambs, like, Botfly, or whatever that fucking moth is. I'd be down with that. No. What's that moth called? Ah, uh, the skull bug. The origami skull bug. Good work. <laughs> so yeah, it should be called Phenomena. <sighs> it's a little vague, but whatever. It's a it's a horror movie. I suppose. It's just preference, I guess. If it was if the movie was just about her ability to communicate with bu- bugs or her relationship with bugs, then you could call it creepers. But the fact that it's about this huge crime case, sort of, and it's more ethereal, I guess. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe it's just that Phenomenon makes it sound a little more fantastical. It sounds, than yeah. It is. Yeah. Phenomenon sounds like a cool uh, ghost in a boarding school versus bugs in a girl sleepwalking at a boarding school, but yeah. yeah Toads. It works. I guess if you were to look at the two movies side by side, Suspiria, Phenomena, like, okay, it sounds like they're both going to have a lot of blue in the midnight sequences, but <laughs> Creepers just, it sounds cooler, I think. I would need more bugs. <laughs> They would need to amp the bug factor up. Oh, yeah, I'm going to need some maximum buggage on the scene, guys. We need more crawlies. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Or creepies, <crawlies>. as it were. <laughs> Everybody slapped their knee and had a lunch break. Okay. Okay, so this girl that's lost in the Swiss countryside and now lost in this house of murder, mm-hmm. she escapes out the back. She's running away, terrified. She goes up this really cool walking path that goes in these, like, hiking caves, mm-hmm. which... Really awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's put also, that on my Pinterest. <laughs> there's uh, also a window blasted into the side of this mountain so you can look out at the river and the and waterfall. And fall through. Yeah. Unless, of course, somebody impales you with scissors and cuts your head off. Yeah. Is the whole death done with scissors, you think? Because the rest of the movie is definitely it's a spear. It's very ambitious to sever a head with scissors. That's going to take some work. That would take a while. Like, while you're you're chopping her head off, this couple comes up with a picnic basket, and they're like, oh, uh, we didn't see that the viewfinder was taken tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you the appropriate 90 to 116 minutes you need to do this. <laughs> that scene where the head gets thrown into the water is pretty funny. It almost seems like an afterthought. Yeah. I'm going to cut off her head, and oh, I don't know what to do with this. Well... Toss! Yeah, I guess because they find the head later, yeah. so they need to explain why it's ended up somewhere else, which a river would do that. <laughs> Good point, rather than finding the entire body. Can we say that that next shot, that next scene, with Donald Pleasance and the detectives and that head, very strange reveal. First off, it is it is nothing but, like, 
15 minutes of dialogue explaining exactly what this movie is going to be and what he does and the science behind this. But, I mean, maybe for the time we needed that. It's like all of old Alfred Hitchcock where we spend 30 minutes talking about psychoanalysis because it was new and hot at the time. This psychoanalysis is so fresh. <laughs> but we cut to, he's just got the fucking head on like a piece of newspaper on the floor. He's like, oh yeah, based on the bugs here and the de... He doesn't even say decomposition at once. He's just saying, oh, the life cycle of these bugs tells us that she died nine months ago, maybe. Yeah, so Donald Pleasance is an entomologist. Is that the term? I think so. Yeah. A bug doctor. Yep. Uh, is he at the school? I do not know. Does I watched he... this movie twice, and I'm unsure as to whether or not he has tenure at this school. I know, she's it's like, attending. does he have, like, an office at this girl's private school? I think. If not, it's at least within sleepwalking distance. <laughs> right? <laughs> How much is that? Like, down the lane? And the school also has an EEG that they use, like, just completely liberally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, th there's no... This is definitely of a time where you did not need a parent's permission to do any sort of exploratory <laughs> surgery on a young girl. Yeah, so Jennifer Corvino, who is Jennifer oh. Connolly, yeah. um, is... Which is how you pronounce Connolly in Italian, <laughs> as we all know. Is it really? No! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so she is enrolling in this school her dad i think is like a famous actor and everybody's got the hots for her dad yeah let's so, just assume her dad's like brad pitt yeah i don't know because he shows up later in the movie you're like this is the guy everybody's attracted. her dad's in the movie isn't that the guy who comes to get her at the end of the movie or is it just another assistant a monkey comes to get her at the end okay of the movie. <laughs> sure let's get, let's, we'll get to that later <laughs> Yeah, so she's coming to this school. They're driving in on a limo. The only reason I'm telling this is because there's a weird narration for, like, a sentence. I kind of loved it. I know, I kind of like it, too. Like, and now, Jennifer Carvino attends. It's, what is it? It's uh... Enrolls in the Richard Wagner Academy for Girls. Yeah, something like that, right? It is that. I oh, it's it exactly that? that? Okay. Oh, it was great. I kind of love that it never came up anywhere else. No, and you're like, why did they have to? It's so weird. It's It feels like an episode of Goosebumps or something. Okay. I just like it. It just feels like if you're going to use narration, you should probably use it more in the movie. But the problem is, is that like anytime Donald Pleasance is in a scene, he's like, this is um, the theme. This is prophetic. So they don't need it. Yeah. But I guess they thought it wasn't clear that she was enrolling in a boarding school. Wasn't it? I don't... It, uh, well, for the first half, I was like, is this a boarding school? Because she checks in late at night. They set her up with her roommate, Sophie. Yeah. And then we don't see another girl until later on in the movie when she's, like, crazy. And she's on the phone, and she's like, man, And they're just like... Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, and everybody's making fun of her, yeah. In really awkward staging, like, really close. Like, she can definitely hear everything I think saying. that's the point. They <laughs> definitely want her to hear. Like, didn't you hear? The girl with the hot dad's super dumb. So the first night, Jennifer sleepwalks in this, like, Iron Maiden music video sleepwalk sequence. Yeah, this is a good time to talk about the music choices in this movie. The actual score of the movie, like, that synthy, cool vibe is awesome. I love that. I wish that was more of the movie. Also, Goblin is credited as having uh, some part in that soundtrack, but not true, apparently. Their contributions to this movie were two music cues taken from their Dawn of the Dead score um, and just put into this movie because Argento, like, super loved George A. Romero. I would have preferred a new cut of this movie with just that score and no heavy metal. I think the heavy metal is very misplaced in this movie. 
Like, I love Iron Maiden. I love Judas Priest. I love Motorhead. They're all, like, in this movie, I'm, I think. But, good God, I, it doesn't belong. I like it. I think it's really jarring, and I love that the movie is this, like, gothic, haunting, like, really moody, ethereal movie. Uh, and then the music is like, which is interesting because the uh, the thread that's holding, like, the murder and the ethereal dreamlike quality of it is Bugs. Mm. Which I think the metal music represents bugs. You think so? Well, at least for me. Hmm. I just wish it was used more sporadically and it was actually like queued up with the movie more. It felt like they Agreed. were just like, and metal music for three minutes. You're yeah. Like, but there's a scene where they're walking through the mental institution and they're just talking about a patient who may have escaped or broke in. And there's just, and it's, it's dialogue. And there is like Iron Maiden over top of it. <laughs> and you have, you, like, you have to pay attention to hear what they're talking about. And if they only use those songs for action sequences and fighting, or driving, or like scenes that are just like <laughs> stupid, quiet, and a little bit of bo- a little bit boring, like driving to the farmhouse in the Swiss countryside. We're just like listening to metal on the way. Like I'm down with that. Just like that bus ride from hell. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly on the bus. Put some metal on it. Right as soon as that as soon as that solo kicks in, the fly starts going nuts. You're like, oh shit, we're about to find a dead body. But yeah, very weird. It comes, it goes very abruptly. Entomologist Donald, Donald Pleasance. His name is John McGregor. Who cares? Uh, whatever. His <laughs> chimp finds Jennifer Connelly, like, in the woods because she has sleptwalked her way, like, off the building and, like, into the brambles. <laughs> in between those two things, though, she gets picked up by these two guys who are just, like, out cruising around looking for sleepwalking girls, I guess? I don't know. I have no idea. We could have... That could have been cut. There's our 16 minutes. Yeah. Um, another girl gets murdered. <laughs> Donald Pleasant says some stuff about bugs. And then the headmistress the next day finds out that she's been sleepwalking. They perform an EEG in the school, which is also a really long scene. because She's like, there's nothing wrong with me. Meh, meh, meh. I've been tested by the best. Can we it's have perfectly a, normal. Can we have a moment here to talk about Jennifer Connelly's acting in this? Yeah. I'm really sad because she's a great actress. She's yeah. really amazing. Uh-huh. I even like her in Labyrinth when she's young and not fabulous. But Which literally fabulous. came out the year after this movie. She's so bored in this. Yep. And maybe that's the direction. Maybe he just wanted like a really, I, um, so. I don't want to say stoic because it's not stoic, but like a really um, just even tone delivery on everything. But it's so bored. Mm-hmm. I'm tired watching her talk. Yeah. It's like her line delivery is like watching somebody just wade through water. The words don't even mean anything. No, not really. I would go ahead and assume that that was was Argento's direction. I think her performance is thanks to that. And I think a a lot of the issue, too, is that the dialogue is is really on the nose. Mm -hmm. It isn't all that realistic. Like, when the girls talk to each other, it's not... um, It's just very, like, this is exactly what I mean, and, like, this is exactly what I mean, and this is why I'm saying it. Yeah. Which I think is, is like, a lost in translation. Like, it was probably wrote in Italian and then translated for this American actress, and so it's just, like... Or vice versa. I think, think especially the girl that she's sharing a room with, I think, is Italian, Mm. and she's just speaking words phonetically. Yeah. Maybe for Jennifer Connelly, too, she got this script, and she was just like, oh, this is very literal, and, like... How maybe how do you act something that's so on the nose? It might even just be that we're trying to get her to be like this not omnipotent type character, but she isn't phased by any of this. She's unaffected by it. Like I think that's a performance he wanted to get from her, which is very interesting. 
I don't know that it plays super well. Who knows, though? Maybe she's just not that great at the time. She was pretty young. I yeah. mean, but she's, like, House of Sand and Fog. I don't know if you have, you've seen that movie. Like, she's amazing in that movie. Yeah, it's incredible. Ben King's in it. Uh, and, and that uh, movie with, with um, Jared Leto. Huh? The drug problem. Oh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. You couldn't have just said Darren Aronofsky? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen Bernstein. Come on, Kim. I'm sorry. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly's great in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The movie's fucked. That's a horror movie we should do in this podcast. It's not a horror movie. That movie is real life horror. It is horrifying. Yeah. I watched that movie at 13 and said, I will never do heroin. <laughs> and you good. know what? I never did again. <laughs> the other the the other problem with her performance in this movie is that it is kind of uncomfortable. Like there is this nymphette type. Uh, angle that now, we're taking with her and all the girls. I really agree with you. <laughs> I think what bothers me most about this movie, and I caught this on like the third watch. I'm like, why does this bother me? There's nothing sexual about it. What? It's the it's the breathing. That's okay. Yeah, that's There's what I was this gonna say. Overdubbed breathing and sighing. Oh. Every scene she's in, she like leans against a door, and it's somebody else doing the audio. She's supposed sighing, to be having a nightmare, and it's like. <sighs> You're like, stop breathing like that. It's, like, it's, right into the mic. Ugh. Yeah, I just, ugh. It's passionate, and it's uncomfortable. I don't like the breathing. Yeah. It's, it's too breathy. Every every opportunity, there's, like, breathy sighing. It's too sexualized for a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's really what it, That's all you have to say. Um, I think if you put that aside, uh, the rest of the movie is 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 easier to watch if you just go, okay, it's of the time. Probably didn't mean anything by it. It was just a style that was common. Let's get past it. If you it. cut out all the breathy sighs, though... I think it's a little easier to watch. There's nothing, there's nothing vulgar about it. Yeah, it's just uncomfortable. The only other bit of dialogue that is slightly uncomfortable that is definitely not something too fortunate. Oh, is when Sophie... Oh my god, yes. Yeah, or it's just like, oh, I bet your father would be so upset if he knew what you were up to or something. Or if I were your father, I wouldn't let you leave the house or but, something. Yeah, You're it's like... like what? Girls don't <laughs> say that to each other. That sounds like something a 40-year-old man would say to a 14-year-old girl trying to groom her for uh, awful things. <laughs> that is, uh, but moving past that. Uh, so, Jennifer Corvina, yeah. Corvino sleepwalks again, and then a firefly leads her to a maggoty glove, mm. which she takes to the entomologist, yeah. and he figures out that it's from this particular... Um, bug that only grows on corpses. Yep. So they know that the killer has been basically hanging on to the corpses and wearing the gloves long enough that these maggots have like attached or the larvae have attached and erupted on the glove, which is cool. Mm-hmm. That's some sciencey stuff. Yeah. I appreciate it. Science! <laughs> and then I think from there he gives her a bug that finds well, this corpses. Is, I think this is after oh, um, the headmistress and one of the girls like reads her letter and then they all taunt her. Oh. Now, this is the only scene in the movie that I genuinely thoroughly enjoyed. It's kind of this like pre-climax scene where mm-hmm. everybody's teasing her for this ability that she has with these bugs and like 
It's not even that they think she has this ability, it's that she believes she does. Yeah, she wrote to her dad and said, hey, guess what, dad? Uh, I'm getting another personality. It's come out through my sleepwalking. Also, weird science. Uh, and it turns out, I can talk to bugs! Yeah, so they're all making fun of her, they're teasing her, they're encircling her, and it's just this, like, hive of noise, and they all pretend to be, like, flies. Yeah. And they're buzzing at her, like, we worship you! We worship you! It's and pretty great. It's crazy! crazy mm -hmm. it's awesome and as she's starting to get affected by it like she's getting really upset because the entire goddamn school is bullying her and the headmistress and whatever are all right there and they're just like sucks mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wind first off wind I don't know how these bugs created a cyclone of wind to blow her hair in the air. Yeah, all the windows are still closed. The bugs are swarming outside. Oh, millions of bugs, right? <laughs> like, if enough bugs to blot out the moon are showing up on your window, I'm going to go ahead and say millions of bugs. Tons of bugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that, that weird ethereal wind. <laughs> yeah. She collapses at the end of Yeah, that. she's just uh, like, Meh. I love you. I love you all. Good night. Like, yeah, and, the, and then I guess the fly's just like, well, I guess we're done tonight. <laughs> they don't yeah. attack anybody. That would have been a great scene if they just started eating teenage girls. I uh, would have appreciated that I mean, movie. that would have been really cool. That would be a completely different movie, though. Or if they all just woke up with fly bites, I would have appreciated that also. These yeah, bugs aren't but, repping for the queen. <laughs> but, but the bugs also aren't necessarily doing her bidding, right? Like, it's not Willard. She's not just like, attack! They, they just show up to be like, hey, uh, yeah, no, she, she can talk it's to real. us. It's real! We're like real! Yep. <laughs> Hello, mother! <laughs> <laughs> we believe you! That was my fly boy. <laughs> so now, McGregor gives her the fly to mm. follow, because the fly will lead her. Yeah. And he does. But we have to follow her literally walking through the countryside for a long time following this fly. I don't know that they needed this girl to use that fly to find a corpse. Because the, the fly is supposed to go crazy when it senses the corpse or smells the corpse. Correct? Well, I think it's just supposed to be she's communicating with the fly. Like, she's like, hey, lead me to the corpse. And the fly's like, let's go. Oh, okay. I, I just Definitely assume... don't know a shortcut, though, so we're going to take the long route. <laughs> yeah, well, we got to go the route that this girl took. Because they found her head, but they haven't found her body. And that's what they're really concerned with. Well, they want to find the murderer. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess there's that. <laughs> but it seems like they've really pinpointed it to a specific area. But this whole point, so she gets to that farmhouse, the one where the girl was murdered or found and she's in the like she's in the house looking around and then a real estate agent kicks her out i don't even think it's a real estate agent it's just a caretaker for the property who whatever somebody kicks her out so yeah. it's just like that whole stupid journey we took was for nothing well we find out that there is a hand under the floorboards we see that as, as we're leaving we cut to the hole that she she crashed into the floor and oh my god severed hand um, and then McGregor is murdered. <laughs> and then McGregor is murdered. I love that sequence. Oh, the shots in that scene are so great. All the lights are out in the house. You can't get them back on. I mean, there is a monkey that's screeching for far too long, but he's got a remote control with a very large infrared display on it, but it, it, it shines this perfect circular dot on the killer's face. And close up, we just see the killer's eyeball with the red dot right on the eyeball. It looks so fucking good. And we haven't mentioned it until this point, but he is paraplegic. 
He has a little elevator that he's using a lift. What do you call it? To, to get him down the stairs, yeah. right? Uh, he's lost control of it, and he is just, the, the killer has turned it on, and he's slowly gliding toward her, where she has a metallic spear. Or him. Or right him. Here. Yeah, my mistake. <laughs> this, this bandaged, hatted fellow. Or ma'am. Uh, <laughs> stabs him once, and he goes down for the count. It's a great sequence because it's like super blue, super black, red dot on the eye. It's it's great cinematography. And it's moments like that that are why I think we watch Dario Argento movies, right? Like it's gorgeous and it's gruesome and everything about it is great. I feel like you don't Good remember this assessment. scene. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's the problem is at the end half of the movie, I just like, I don't have the attention span for for things that are like long and drawn out oh. and after we had to follow that fly through the countryside i was like why especially since we've already gone through that countryside in the beginning of the yeah movie. and it was for like a no basically yeah we didn't get a yes and on that situation we did not get a yes and but i think the important part of that sequence is that we realize now that it wasn't the monkey killing people i think we were supposed to assume i didn't think it was the monkey at all that they're not really laying it on thick, but I think... I don't so know, John. I think you were the only person that thought it was the monkey. Well, no. Like, he... The monkey comes into the room at the very beginning when we're first introduced to our monkey. Uh, I don't remember the monkey's name. Inga. I wish Inga! Yeah. So Inga comes in with uh, a scissors or a knife, and Donald Pleasance is like, no, that's sharp. Who told you to use this? You should not be having this. And he took it away from her. And then there are moments, like, at the very beginning where we see that some sort of creature or thing is chained up, uh, and it's breaking its chains to go attack this girl. I think we're supposed to assume that the monkey might actually be killing people. Or it, I never thought it was a monkey. Why is the monkey also just out in the middle of the night finding Jennifer Connelly sleepwalking? Because he's a nice monkey. Well, yeah, we, she's a nice monkey. We know a lady's name. We know that she's a nice monkey. I think we're supposed to assume that the monkey might be the killer until the moment where we realize that no. <laughs> Definitely no monkey killer, <laughs> which is kind of upsetting. Maybe I just wanted the monkey to be the killer. I, I think I was just so looking forward to it. We got a movie about bugs, and a monkey turns out to be our killer? That sounds great. A monkey that the etymologist owns, lives with, cares for? They seem like roommates, right? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely his monkey. Yeah, but you wouldn't say he owns it. Maybe it's like his was a test subject, but he was like, no. You will be my partner. Yeah. And the monkey's like, okay. Yeah, let's not put labels on this. <laughs> uh, he's a helpful monkey, though. Yeah. So Jennifer calls her dad for money, basically, because the headmistress is trying to have her committed. And she gets picked up by, what would you say, her chaperone? I guess you could say that, yeah. Because she's the one that drops her off in the beginning, which I didn't know until I read the Wikipedia because oh, really? there was so much time in between her being dropped off at the school and her being picked up by this woman. So it's the glasses when there was the big yeah. reveal, I was like, uh? <laughs> yeah, and she says that, um, she says, that we're going to get you on a plane or your dad's coming to get you tomorrow. I'm to take care of you. We've got X amount of money to buy you a flight ticket somewhere, whatever. But the girl refuses to stay at the school. She's like, somebody's trying to kill me. I'm not staying at that goddamn school. I want out of here now. And if I have to wait until tomorrow for my plane, I'm staying somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So rather than getting her a hotel, she takes her home to her house, which is a fucking mansion in the middle of nowhere. With a weird ass creepy doll thing just like hanging out in its own room. Not gonna lie to you. I don't remember that at all. You don't remember that? No. It's such an odd scene. And you're like, why? Why is this here? So they they go into a room. And then the, the kid is like slumped over. And Jennifer Cohen's like, oh, no. 
and then the woman is like, no, it's just a doll, see? And she, like, picks it up, and it's, like, this doll that's, like, the top of it and bottom of it are connected by a string. But then Jennifer oh. Connelly is like, no, don't hold him like that! And it's like, he's clearly a fucking doll at this point. So weird. It's like those G.I. Joes where, like, there was a string connecting them. Yeah. And you'd always pull them apart. But it was just a giant doll. Weird. But they was revealed as a giant doll, but then she was like, no, She treated don't touch it like him. a person, yeah. Fucking Jennifer got like, what is this doll scene? Maybe that's no because idea. she actually had a son who's... <sighs> okay, so, yeah, one, two, skip a few. Jennifer Connelly's, like, walking through the house at night, and she comes across this room where a cop has been tied up, and there's just a pool of dead bodies decomposing well, she gets, forever. So she gets drugged, and she goes through a tunnel, and then she finds the cop tied up in the room of bodies. Ugh, it's gross. Like, and the, oh, and the maggots and shit. So she gets pushed into this pool, and it's it's just dozens of bodies decomposing in their own fluids, and it's it's grosser than any sort of liquefied pig that you'll find in the Saw franchise. <laughs> it was I, I, I would super say gross. I would say the liquefied pig was grosser. I don't know. Something about this really got me. <laughs> I know you were really upset about it. I was like, look at all the close up shots. There's no maggots. The water was thick, and it was this gross colored. Like I I know for I'm sure it was fine, but it looked absolutely putrid <laughs> in terms of like goopy um swim scenes this is how i would rank it i would rank it phenomena house on haunted hill remake okay saw three yeah no saw three phenomena's at the bottom job. saw three is a pretty gross one that's the pig one yeah it's a pretty gross one i'm just saying i think this is a contender number three yeah, uh, this, oh, three. <laughs> for me, this is up there with, like, Drag Me to Hell, uh, where, like, the embalming fluid pours down What's-Her-Face's mouth. Ew. Yeah, see, all of that, like, I just, ugh. <laughs> it's just, ugh. The, like, having to be in that room and smell that stuff, gross. Getting pushed into it, even grosser. But, like, the fact that you're screaming means that it's getting in your mouth. There is a moment where Jennifer Connelly is trying to escape, and this woman is just laughing in her face, maniacally. What's the deal with this woman? Who is she? Um... Why did she murder that tourist in the beginning? Why are we supposed to she, care? I don't think she murdered the tourist in the beginning. So that's the thing. It's her son that's tied up. So oh. flash forward in a few minutes, Jennifer Connelly finds this boy crying in a corner. He's up against a mirror uh, just to make it super weird. Uh, and when he turns around, he's got an ugly face. He's like <laughs> sort of deformed. Yeah, he's got weird teeth. Uh, he's, he's, his features are all messed up. You know what I thought it and was? He's bloodthirsty. I thought he was half fly. I, maybe? Because he's got maggots on his face. I thought he was half bug. Yeah. And I was like, that would make sense. Like, the bugs are... But then she runs away screaming. I'm like, maybe you're supposed to help this boy. That is the best reaction ever. Because <laughs> it's... like she. <laughs> She's like, ah, disgusting! <laughs> yeah, and runs, right? <laughs> like, he's still just a little boy. Yeah, like, we don't know yet that he is definitely a murderer. Yeah. And also, what are his motivations to kill people? I'm gross and I want to kill people! Because yeah. <laughs> he's definitely still a child. I would assume people find him. They happen upon him in the woods. Uh, they scream and he goes... Ooh, must silence their screaming and kills them. Like that's that's, that's Frankenstein. Yeah, basically, <laughs> he's a Frankenstein baby. Ah, see, I, so the first time I watched this, I didn't understand. I thought maybe the um, the woman was like the the competition of Donald Pleasance, but she had taken She's to a bad scientist. place. Yeah, and she was like doing these fly experiments in her house. I can't deal with monkeys anymore. I need my own crazy and creature. And so she turned her son into like a crazy fly boy. That sounds great. And then she was trying to hide him from people, but he had like a bloodlust. Sounds awesome. 
But I think I just made all that up. Yeah, kind of like me assuming that maybe the monkey was the killer. <laughs> We're both watching different movies in our heads. I know. Obviously, we weren't impressed, uh, unfortunately, but it's a great movie to look at. It looks great. Yeah. <laughs> so flash forward to the end. So the, the boy chases after her, and then they're on a boat, and then it blows up. Yeah, he's he's got the spear now, uh, which we should probably say he's... He's got the spear. <laughs> was that a he's got the beat? Yeah. Ripoff? Yeah. Okay. He's got the spear. Boat blows up. Yeah, he's got the The only spear. reason I want to talk about this moment is because Jennifer Connelly is just calmly, like, float swimming in the water. Yeah. She smiles for the first time in the movie. <laughs> After she, murdering a she child. She killed an eight-year-old. <laughs> well, she didn't do it. The flies did. The flies came in and swarmed his face and suffocated him, I guess. Ugh. See, that I didn't understand because I was like, That's, he's your brother. He's one of you. <laughs> That's the real tragedy here, Kim. Uh. Who's the real monster here? There is this moment where on his ugly face we have a single tear, though. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad calling this kid ugly, but he's killed a lot of people, so he's earned it. Um, we don't even know that for sure. We're just judging no, no, by, like, no, no, cement no. on a wall. No, no, not at all, because um, th this crazy lady, who definitely should already be dead, shows up... With a sheet of metal. Okay, yeah, so she's got a, <laughs> she's got a big piece of sheet metal. Did she just find that on the beach? She must have. Like, it's like a half beach, half construction site. And she's just like, sheet metal! Like, we're, we've only done the foundation on this place, but we've got the ductwork ready, and I'm gonna cut this guy's head off with it. Uh, which is bizarre. Um, funny, but odd. Is that her dad? No, that's the cop. That's not the cop. The cop is the guy that's chained up in the basement, who... Were there two cops? Don't they have partners? Okay, so... <laughs> when Jennifer Connelly is going to her house... It's intercut with moments of this guy getting off a plane and going like, do you know how to get to the taxi stand? It's okay, I'll find it myself. And like he walks off. Maybe it's I, just your dad's assistant. Or something. It might be your dad's assistant because he's definitely not as dreamy as everybody made him out to be. He somehow finds Were her... you disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> well, with all this talk, <laughs> I'd like to know what I'm, what I'm missing. He somehow finds her at the beach... Maybe it's just because there's a fire on the water and he's like, better stop and see what's going on. But as soon as he gets out of the car and reaches to help her out of the water, he loses his head. And a crazy lady who had previously been stabbed in the throat with handcuffs by a cop is still alive and doing fine. Film logic. Yeah, like, well, we need somebody to explain the goddamn movie to us because it's like, he was my son and I had to kill to hide his secret. It's not his fault he was so crazy. And then Inga, the champ champ, just comes and like... Champ champ! <laughs> just comes and murders her. And then the final scene, they just share like a chimp human hug. Yeah, and... Chimp, the bug should have saved her. Why chimp, didn't the bug save her? Chimp walks off? Well, I think the, the chimp is the link, Kim, between the bugs and us. Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. In all stages of evolution and of the evolutionary scale came together Bug, to... Bug, chimp, human. <laughs> yeah, to kill an ugly kid. Yeah, like, that kid really deserved to go to, like, a mental health facility and maybe get a chance at life. Yeah. I don't know, you know maybe what? just throw that out there. Maybe he just had a <laughs> shitty upbringing, and as far because as he Because his knows. mom is psycho! <laughs> yeah, like, she taught him how to kill people, and he's like, I'm just doing what I'm told! <laughs> <laughs> I know no other life! Yeah. What God? Like, maybe we should just try some medication first before we like oh, blow him up on a boat or like stick some flies on him. <laughs> so bizarre. This movie's crazy. It's nuts, and it's it's too. I don't want to say it's too artsy for a midnight movie, but it's too artsy for a midnight movie. Like it's it's bonkers and it's weird. You would watch this with friends late at night, but you'd have to be watching this with friends late at night after drinking wine at the Met. You know, like, this is a... We, we How do you watch it. this late at night, though, and not fall asleep? Methamphetamine? 
it's it's nutters. Um, I'm giving this a two out of four. I'm gonna give it a one and a half out of four. Yeah, I feel like you know, it doesn't get a Jennifer Connelly bump. Like that is the Jennifer Connelly bump. <laughs> Yeah, the cinematography gets a point five, and Jennifer Connelly gets one, even though she's awful, but because I like her so much. Yeah, I will say, if this movie was stripped of all heavy metal, and we relied solely I see, I like on... the heavy metal. It's I... just a little, like, it's a little heavy. I... <laughs> Handed. <laughs> I wish the metal was lighter. Can we have some light metal, please? Uh, can I have some softcore metal, please? Can I have some, um, petite metal? Iron Madame. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What else do we got? Uh, sheet metal Talica. <laughs> Metallica Leaky Mock. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, we're moving on to this the next is, film. Oh, this is so we're bad. We're done now. It's over. <laughs> we phenomenon it up. All right, next up. On the girl power docket. Yeah. Firestarter. Case number 653. From 1984. Charlie McGee is a healthy eight-year-old girl. Normal in every way. Charlie, now watch what you're doing. But one, Charlie has the power. Do something bad. Will you still love me? Oh, Charlie. She can set things on fire. Something's happening in there. With just a glance. It is a power she does not want. Stick with him. Daddy, I'm scared. So am I, honey. A power she cannot control. Back up. You would have to burn it down. I mean, burn it all down. Charlie McGee is Stephen King's fire starter. Will she have the power to survive? Currently sitting at a 6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 50% Metacritic rating, and a 2.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now, Raiders did not give this a Stephen King bump. No, they did not. <laughs> I feel like if the same movie came out right now... It's like, about having... to. Is there doing another one? Blumhouse is remaking this movie. With who? I'm not sure with who. Uh, I don't know that there's been a whole lot of news... Um, lately, but at Overlook last year, where you were, uh, after the Stephanie screening, they announced that they had acquired the rights to it and are remaking Firestarter. Oh. Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> this movie's just Carrie with fire instead of blood. I mean, hey, Carrie's got a lot of fire in it anyway. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. So this movie's just Carrie without the blood. Basically. And instead of prom, we go to barn. Yeah. <laughs> Proms have been in barns before. So this is a movie I grew up with. It yeah. was on Superstation a lot growing up. I, it was definitely a syndicated version because I do not remember half the movie being like a runaway from the police movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I only remember the facility stuff. Interesting. Which, yeah, it must have been cut a lot. I don't know. Maybe I always came in on the tail end. But So the movie we watched was not the movie I had created this memory of. What do you like better? Would you prefer the movie to be the runaway stuff at the beginning, or do you prefer to be like the we're being experimented on because we have psychic abilities stuff? <sighs> That's hard to say. Uh, the problem with the runaway stuff is that it gets old. Uh, you know, Escape from Witch Mountain, uh, Midnight Special, a more recent one. 
The runaway stuff is only interesting because it's a cat and mouse game, but eventually you get tired of that. Like, oh, we're here, they're, they're gaining on us. Oh, we're here, we're betrayed. Oh, we're here, we gotta fight back. Like, okay, cool. Like, after you've done that a few times, there's not a whole lot else going on. I think movies like Road to Perdition do really well with that runaway stuff because there's a whole other story happening underneath it. With this, it's just run away, get caught. Run away, get caught. And in the facility, it's also kind of just like a two-note move. They're being experimented on, and it's like scientific torture, and then they're being manipulated to try and gain access to them. It's I don't think I really like either part, but I would probably side more with the runaway stuff. But the runaway, here's the, the problem I, I'm, I'm getting at, is that the runaway stuff is nothing without the facility. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. It just feels like two different stories, and I, I could go with either. They just, like, it needs to be one or the other, I guess. I've, I had assumed you had an answer for this. I thought I did, but no, I don't. The cool part about the runaway stuff, though, is that you, like any road trip movie, it's about the people you meet along the way. You know, like a really nice guy who's going to pick you up while you're hitchhiking, bring you home to give you food, and then stand with you on, a sh on his porch with a shotgun and defend your right to not be tortured scientifically. Yeah, so let's let's get into the beginning of this movie. Let's go through it. Sure. So... We meet, uh, I'm not, I'm actually not going to do this linearly because the film isn't revealed linearly, linear, in a linear fashion. Cool. Andy McGee, who mm. is played by David Keith. Does that not sound like a name that was put down and as a placeholder, like, surely we'll come up with a better name. Soon. Andy McGee. Yep. Oh my dear Andy McGee. So young Andy McGee does like a experiment thing. He participates in a study yeah. where they give them this hallucinogen um, he meets Heather Locklear, who's Vicky Tomlinson. Yep. And they... Tomlinson is a name they should have kept. <laughs> and they take this drug that gives them psychic powers. Like, they can communicate to each other without talking. Yeah. And it works out great for them. They end up with psychic powers. He can, like, um, bend people's will and kind of force them to do things. Yeah. I think she's just regular psychic. I think she can just read people's thoughts. Yeah. And, well, she can communicate, too, is the other thing. I mean, it works out great for them because... Some guy across the bed, like, tears his own eyes out. Yeah, so, he has a reaction. Uh, flash forward, they have had a daughter, Charlie, who has this pyrokinesis fire-starting ability, uh, as you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they are on the run from something called The Shop, which is a segment of the government that deals with, I guess psychics? <laughs> is that it? Is that all they deal with? I yeah, I would I would say that extracurricular humans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I would say that the experiment they're going through is, is is akin to, like, the LSD tests that the FBI was doing back in the 50s and 60s. And Agent Groovy. Yeah, exactly. Agent <laughs> Groovy. And that's, like, the shop is is that, like, secret FBI Area 51 I thought Martin Sheen government. was the president, the like, the first half of the movie, mainly because he had this, like, Elvis as the president haircut. Yeah. Um, the dead zone probably also doesn't help. Well, in the office that they had set up for him was, like, a, was a budget mock. oval office. Yeah. Like, a square oval office. <laughs> but it was the, it was literally the oval office. <laughs> but he's just the head of the shop, correct? Yes. Okay. So he hires, or just assigns this crazy-ass old man with a sketchy eye. <laughs> yeah, George C. Scott as a Native American. Uh, his name is John Rainbird. John Rainbird. Uh, it, you know, he really sounds like he just decided one day, I'm Native American. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really kind of insulting. Occasionally he'll wear a... Um, 
like a hand knit like a cool tribal shawl thing. But I think the only reason they did it is so he would look proficient climbing that tree. I guess in his beliefs at the end, too. He's got those weird-ass beliefs. They could have just actually cast an aboriginal person, though. Yeah, that would have worked. Um... Yeah, okay, so he's <laughs> crazy, but you know right away that he's, like, gonna Mission Impossible get them. Yeah, he's, um, he's definitely the the assassin who can't be stopped. Yeah, and we know this because we watched him kill a man with us bare hands. <laughs> he karate chopped a guy in the nose. Like, he did that Con Air move where Nicolas Cage just, like, slams your nose bone into your brain, because that's a thing that happens in movies. But he did it, like, a karate chop style. Yeah, so when we actually open on the movie, we don't know any of this pre-story about Charlie's dad and mom and stuff. They're just running from these guys in suits, basically. Yeah. And they try to get to the airport. They don't have any money. They uh, We see him use his psychic abilities to get them money. We see Charlie use her abilities kind of in a minor way. She lights some jerk who's, like, been cheating on his girlfriend's pants aflame. Oh, it's, it's worse than that. He's, he's a military dude who's at the airport getting ready to leave. But she's like, hey, so, um, you got me pregnant, and I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do right now. And he's like, not my kid, not my problem, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, she lights his pants on fire. Good. And then they don't get on a plane. They run away from the airport. His, he has the ability to make people do whatever he wants. And what he does instead is empty a payphone of quarters. Of quarters. You could literally just go up to a convenience store and be like, oh, you didn't give me the appropriate change. I need $100 back. Yeah, anything. He could have gone up to the counter and said, you forgot to give me my plane ticket. I need to be on that plane right now. Gone out of the country. Yeah. Um, you barely needed passports back then. And even then, he could have shown them a piece of cardboard that says, this is my passport. Oh my god, he could. <laughs> yeah. He gives them like a package of ho-hos. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard, munch munch. Um, and Charlie, I forgot to mention, also has this side ability. She can like sort of predict the future a little bit, but only when it's written in. <laughs> There's a moment where she should really predict the future, and she does not. Is it that she can predict the future, or that she can just sense people? Like she's got a touch of her mum's ability. I don't know. Because she's like, there are men coming. They're up the street. I think she can just like sense danger, maybe, or their thoughts. Maybe it's that the situation's getting heated, and she oh. <laughs> has that ability. So they start hitchhiking their way... Cross-country. Away. <laughs> yeah, they, they really have no destination. Well, I think it was Grandpa's cabin all along, but we didn't realize until they finally get to Grandpa's cabin halfway through the movie. Yeah, and where's Grandpa's cabin? Isn't Grandpa's cabin in, like, Louisiana, but they start out in New York? And they're, it's like, I don't know. The, I, I don't remember the specifics of where they're going, but the point is, they make an S-shaped pattern across the country that makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> So, yeah, they hitchhike with this kind old farmer man yeah. who, um, you know immediately because it's a Stephen King story, you're like, nice old man, nice old man right here, he's gonna save the day. Yeah. They go back to his place for lunch, they meet his wife, they meet his chickens. Yeah. And he's got this, like, really good spidey sense because they've lied to him, they've said that they're going to meet their mom, who's just had a baby boy and it was an emergency, la la la. But then they talk about her in past tense. Yeah. And so he's just like you kidnapping this girl? Yeah. <laughs> Andy tells the truth that they're running from these crazy government people and la la la. He doesn't really believe them, but then they show up at the farmer's house. Like, oh my God, did your daughter just melt my butter? <laughs> this is all real. Get my shotgun launch. <laughs> I don't think I have the guts to do that. Like, it, it's really cool though that some guy is just helping these strangers despite the fact that he knows nothing about them. Um, 
They don't have a warrant, John. It they, is unjust. <laughs> I guess suppose that's true. There is that moment, right, where he's just like, we can't let this happen. Like, if we let this go, then they can do anything. It, it really nails home the fact that in the 70s and like the 80s, people were scared of nothing uh, more than they were of the government. Like, that's why the guys in suits were the ultimate bad guy. And it's really like a post-Nixon era where, like, you realize, like, oh, they have absolute power and they're corrupt and they can do whatever they fucking want. Because they're ju- they're the people that make the laws and then they can say, like, oh, well, we've changed the law to reflect the fact that, yeah, we can experiment on little girls if they can start fires. <laughs> and- yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, like, kind of, wouldn't you want them to maybe at least put them in some kind of facility if they like i agree with how the x-men were treated i'm just gonna say it. <laughs> i'm just gonna put it out there oh boy just as many of them go bad as go good so i'm just saying like they can fight their own battles in their facility kim <laughs> you know uh we are all the heroes of our own stories and if you really pay attention to those bad guys they had pure justification because of how poorly they were treated i'm just saying you know maybe a little more compassion in this (laughs) world is what we need uh because mutants are humans too yeah i'm trying to remember the name of like the mutant like civil war thing that happened i don't remember what it was called it's probably just called the mutant war yeah Uh oh fuck if it wasn't called mutiny what were they thinking Uh, so Charlie basically explodes a bunch of cop cars. She lights a bunch of guys in suits on Fuck fire. yeah, she does. It's really long, because you can really tell that they the, most of the budget went to blowing up these cars and stuff, so they're really milking it. It's yeah. like we're seeing every single stunt person running around on fire. Oh, yeah. Every car exploding we get to watch. There was a, This was a stunt person's movie. It was a long scene, though. Every scene in this movie was a long scene. Yeah. Yeah, can we say right now that this movie was boring as fuck? <laughs> like, this movie was so slow. John fell asleep. Like, you didn't fall asleep, you nodded off a few times. Don't be like... polite. I fell asleep and then woke back up. <laughs> because this movie's boring. It's... And Drew Barrymore is not fun to watch in this movie. I don't care. Like, I get it. Like, she was great in E.T. We all believe that. Uh, you know, we know that she grew up to be a okay actress. <laughs> like, watching her now does not make her the great actress she is. Like, it's just, oh, you're a little girl who's repeating some words people told She's her. She's adorable. I guess. But yeah, like, you... Yeah, I don't like when you put so much weight on your child actors. Because it's just like... The whole movie. She's carrying the movie. Yeah, and there's this bit at the beginning, too, where she's like, like, I killed mommy, and you think she's murdered her mom, but then when we actually see the flashback, she had nothing to do with it. This is my biggest complaint of the entire movie. Oh, like, her dad just lets her believe that she murdered her own mom? Why? What is the benefit of that? Is that to keep her from using her abilities? Maybe tell us that. I'm gonna go ahead and assume it had to have been some sort of reshoot. That they, they, they really should have changed some of those pieces of dialogue uh, because definitely this girl did, like, sh- there was a moment where she burned mom's finger or something, right? And then later that day we come back home and mom's been murdered and stuffed in the closet. Like, yeah. But she, Drew Barrymore definitely didn't do that. No, and we thought that she murdered her in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. that That is a much better story. And it would probably be better even if she was younger at the time. Like, as a toddler, she just killed her mom. Yeah. didn't necessarily know what she was doing. Well, that's the whole point of the movie, too, is that she's got these crazy powers that she can't control. Yeah, she sees somebody she doesn't like, and she lights his boots on fire. Yeah. So, and then, you know, every other moment it's used in self-defense, so that's cool. But, like, her character would be so much better if she killed her mother. And, like, and if that's her first memory, that's the, like, the first memory yeah. she has. And the only memory she has of her mother is screaming and dying. That's terrifying. That's gonna be the new Blumhouse movie. Um, oh, hopefully. I, I would hope. 
Yeah, because then they, what they actually show us is this weird thing. So mom's been, like, murdered and stuffed on the ironing board. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> and Charlie is missing. And then dad goes to, like, the neighbor's house, who, who I guess where she was. And the yeah. shop is kidnapping her from, like, the neighbor's house. And then the neighbor lady comes out. And he's like, go back inside, Marge. And then he uses his abilities on these psychics and steals Charlie. And you're like, why are we seeing all this? Yeah. Why couldn't we have just done this all at the house? Like, so inefficient. That's another set piece. Yeah. Why couldn't Charlie have just been in the basement and the shop been kidnapping her there? I think we wanted some sort of emotional scene for David Keith to like pace through the house and have like a tender moment oh, with his like, dead where wife. Oh, where is she? Yeah, there was that great moment where he calls Marge like, uh, hello Marge, my daughter wouldn't happen to be there, would she? <laughs> like he's trying to keep it together, but like clearly his world is crumbling around him. Oh, it's so weird. And to show that anger, he punches through a screen door. <laughs> oh my god, that's the best. He's like, to the deck. <laughs> David Keith in this movie, and really like every movie David Keith is in, just looks untrustworthy, right? I don't know. He looks nice in this. He, he looks like he's protecting his daughter, sure, but at any moment he could either turn into a werewolf or reveal that he was in on it all along. Like, every movie he's ever been in, he's got evil eyes. I don't know. Whenever I see him, I just want... What's his name? James Brolin. No. No? No! <laughs> James Brolin? No, um... Josh Brolin? No. The thing... <laughs> Overboard. Oh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Everybody wants. Kurt Russell could play any role that has ever been. I would believe this movie if Kurt Russell was playing the dad. That'd be all right. Even now, he's going to be too old for it, but I don't care. He, I would believe he has a seven-year-old. Let's do it, Kurt Russell. (laughs) Yeah, man, I fucking love Kurt Russell. Has there ever been a bad Kurt Russell movie? No, no, it's impossible. No, even when he was doing Disney movies, that guy was killing it. Just believe him. He was the 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 human computer guy. It's it, the movie. The name of the movie is "The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes." That's the name of the movie. It's That's like funny. it's like a, a bunch of computers. Sounds like a scholastic book. It's basically yeah. Well, there was a time where he was in like every Disney movie. He was like the strongest man. He was he was everything. But oh. in the the computer wore tennis shoes. I think it was that there was a storm and the computer was unplugged and he went to go plug the computers back in and got electrocuted and now all the computing power lives inside his mind. I can math. <laughs> yeah, this is a time before computers were really computers. So as far as they knew, he now controlled everything. He became a mutant. Where are we in the story? We're all over the place in this story. But they're they're on the run. Their backstory's unclear. They think they've finally found some sort of rest and reprieve in Grandpa's old cottage where clearly no one's going to come looking for yeah, them. It's just... the, the first thing you would do is just find every piece of property that a family member owns across the country and scour the earth for them. And that's exactly what they do because this guy that's been in John Rainbird... Oh, man. <laughs> Goes right to the cottage, he climbs a tree, blows a dart on either one of them, they collapse, and then, so the only really great shot of this movie that I really appreciated is when all of those guys in hazmat suits oh, yeah. come out of the woods. How and they, there was like 50 or 70 of them already there. Yeah, and they just appear from behind trees and come and collect collect them both. Yeah. Why didn't Charlie predict that shit? I'm so glad you said that. That doesn't make any... Oh, maybe maybe she couldn't because of the hazmat suits. It's like they wore tinfoil hats. John Rainbird wasn't wearing no hazmat suit. Yeah, but John Rainbird holds that Native American power he's got that the is spirit. untouched. Yeah, right? <laughs> he's, he's got the spirit of the wolf. The spirit of the Rainbird, really, right? <laughs> um, there is another moment right before that that super bugs me, where their their whole goal is to get to the New York Times, right? Yeah, and he writes letters. Yeah, we're going to send our story to the New they York Times. They killed the postman, remember? They sure killed the postman, yep. They sure fucking did. 
this movie is more of a love letter on the importance of media uh, than The Post was, to be perfectly honest, uh, because we gotta get that story out. They just assume that sending some random Why letter... did they go to that cottage for three days? Why didn't they just go right to the newspapers? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, and like, it's supposed to be this scene where like, oh, it's this girl who all she wants is a normal life, and we're like, when can I go to school again, daddy? And like, unfortunately, none of that really like struck me as... Like, oh, this girl just wants a normal childhood. Mm -hmm. It was just a boring sequence where, like, they wrote some letters, and she's like, we're all done now! And then Dad... <laughs> Dad says, maybe, who knows, they might intercept these letters before they get to the newspaper office. Like, okay, well, pretty sure there's gonna be a return address on there, so they're definitely coming for you. Secondly, just fucking go there, bro! Like, if, 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 oh, if, like, you don't even trust the post office to get your letters there, you need to go in person. That cottage detour they took is the only reason why they were both incarcerated. <laughs> so they get kidnapped, they end up at the White House. Yeah, let's call it the that. The shop White House. And they're they're separated. Charlie gets her own fancy room. Dad yeah. gets his own like eh room. Yeah, they he, he pretends that his his powers don't really work anymore. He was pretending. They just kept drugging him. I thought he was actually losing them. I don't know because he like he definitely uses them as much as he fucking wants and stronger than ever before at the end. Yeah, but I think that's because he stopped taking the medication. Ah, this is where I started to fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so Charlie refuses to do any experiments for them. She refuses to start any fires. So Rainbow's like, okay, I got this really great idea. I'm gonna dress up like a janitor and I'm gonna go in there every damn day and make you guys watch it every damn day as I befriend her. So then the second half of the movie is just this slow-ass, creepy old man befriending this young girl and pretending he's afraid of the dark and shit. Yeah, because he's got PTSD from Vietnam and she's immediately, like, taking care of him like some sick puppy. Well, first she doesn't want to give him a time of day, which makes sense because she's locked away from her dad and it's yeah. like, fuck this Well, it. as far as she's concerned, it's a guy who works for the people who have kidnapped her and her dad going, hey, you mind let me play that video game? I'm no good. I'll, you know, you'll win every time. She's like, fuck off. I'm like, do your fucking job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go back in my room. <laughs> That's the thing. Let me pretend to be the janitor. He's the worst janitor. Like, that room never gets clean. He comes in, sure, he wore the apron. He, he put on the garb. He dusted a few things, and that's it. That's all he did. We saw him clean a coffee table. Did he clean that coffee table? I think so. How well? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, and maybe the power goes out, though, and he doesn't. But and so then all he, of a sudden, the janitor's taking her for walks with a horse. And... Yeah, then they're letting her out, and they're riding horses and stuff, and, like, she still can't see her dad. He convinces her to do these experiments because it'll let her see her father. Yeah. But... This she is keeps all... doing the experiments, and then they don't let her oh, see her man. father. It's so bad. And we watch a bunch of experiments... And it's 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 all under the understanding that when you're done with your experiments, I get the girl. Like what? Yeah. Why? They never ask no, for clarification. No. There's, <laughs> so there's no clarification after he says that, and so we can only assume it's for some creepy sexual reason, <laughs> right? Yeah. It right. isn't until later when he's like, "I want to murder her while she's making eye contact with me." So like. Or, no, I want her to murder me, or I want to murder it's, her. It's both. But Mutual murder, this is where souls he, combine. Basically. So, honestly, it's it's kind of that. It's this weird sort of, uh, maybe not skinwalker thing, but, like, the, the Native American, like, I'm going to eat their heart and take their essence and their power. The idea is, like, I'm going to give her one quick blow over the nose. <laughs> I think he says that. I'm going to shoot her nose bone up into her brain. And and then I will know her power. And it's like, what do you mean? And he's like, she will kill me. I will kill her. He's this is the best part. He's going to wait to the day where he he knows that she is her happiest, 
her happiest moment in life. And then he's going to strike her dead in that instance when he's looking at her dead in the eyes. And her final act uh, will be to set him on fire and he will die and hopefully take some of her power with him into the afterlife. What? Like, what? Stephen King, what? How did this guy hold a job? (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm gonna start out Entry-level position. Janitor. Yeah, janitor. <laughs> Every then job. I'm going to play a janitor on TV. What if, yeah. I don't understand his whole story. Like, his I, whole deal's fucked up. He's crazy. Yeah. And I guess they needed, like, a big villain. But, so they do the final, va- oh, the, the final showdown in a barn. Um, Dad has convinced the head of the shop with his magical abilities oh, yeah. to get them a helicopter and get them the fuck out. Yeah. So Dad writes Charlie a note. And Charlie immediately tells the janitor because it's her only friend. Yep. And so, like, he, like, gets there early and hides in the barn. And Charlie gets there and Dad's not there yet. And then she finds John. And he's trying to get her to climb up in the upper section. But then Dad comes. And then she's like, John is here! Janitor John! And then Dad's like, that's not Janitor John. That's the guy that shot you with the dark John. Yeah, that's Rainwater John. (laughs) Rainbird John. And then he tells Martin Sheen to kill him. There's a bit of a shootout. Dad gets shot. And his final words are... Yeah, so John kills everybody that's not Charlie. <laughs> Charlie kills John. John tries to shoot Charlie, but Charlie, like, lights it on fire. Yeah, well, that's Charlie rescues some horses. And then she has, like, artillery firepower. Oh, fuck. What is the name of that one horse? Her horse is named Necromancer. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, when we were watching this movie, we played out this whole final sequence from the perspective (laughs) of the horses, and I really wish we had recorded it because that... That would have been the best episode. I don't remember a damn thing that we said. No. It was probably just like, oh, hey, that nice little girl's here. I don't remember a damn thing that we said. From now on, did you... Oh, by the way... I was just about to propose that what we need is recording equipment everywhere that, like, with a, you know, starts recording. Just a quick little (laughs) double tap. True story. Prince had that in his house. I know that! And he used to record shit, like, on the toilet and stuff. Like, yeah. he had an idea, and he was yeah. just... His Here's, house was just always mic'd. I think it was partly that, and probably partly also, like, I wonder if the fucking maid said that my song sucked. Like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, I got a new single out? He's I want to hear what the house them? thinks of it. Yeah, he's nanny-camming everybody, yeah. I'm oh, sure man. he was spying on them. Uh, yeah, so then the end of the movie is just this really long sequence where Charlie destroys the shop. Yeah. She really destroys the job. Yeah, like Dad's final words are basically just like, burn it down. (laughs) And she does. Uh, But her powers are like crazy. And the scene is so long. She she ages walking out. Like, the end of the movie, she's 12. And the beginning of it, she's six. (laughs) That's how long it takes her to, to... burn down the shop yeah but yeah you're right now she can just explode bullets as they come near her and And like she's shooting like fireballs oh yeah the shop's destroyed yep uh no more experiments she's free albet alone yeah uh she just saunters her way back to that nice old couple yeah and then she lives with the old man his wife and the chickens yeah everybody likes chickens it's a great ending that's all right She's independent now. She should have just gone back to Grandpa's place and lived alone. Well, I mean, the perk of doing all those experiments now is that she's got more control over her powers. She knows how she can turn them off. Yeah, really what they did was put her through boot camp. Yeah, and, like, she's not going to light any chickens on fire. Like, I have no concerns over her hanging out with those chickens. Like, even if one pecks her finger, she's not going to light it on fire. No. Who's going to kill a chicken? Oh. What happens if they use her to cook those chickens? They might. Yeah. Like, oh, we're at propane again. Honey, you mind, you mind doing me a quick little favor? Just like, <laughs> like dinner's ready. 
I, you know, she probably won't, though, because she's probably got a lot of bad memories attached to using those fire powers. What like, if she makes them all go vegetarian? Like, oh, we don't eat chickens anymore. Like, what are you talking about? I love chicken. And just, like, car blows up. Like, okay. There is an alternate world where these people live in a night, a living nightmare. Like that little kid from the Twilight Zone. Because she can make them do whatever they want. Whatever she wants. Oh, yeah. That's true. I doubt she will, but yeah. I don't get that vibe at all from the ending. No, no, but a better There's movie. a different movie in there with a person with fire powers making everybody do whatever they want. There's a fire starter, too, as well. I don't remember a damn thing about it. I didn't see it. Yeah, it's... Oh. We should do that one day, that movie versus Carry the Rage. Ooh, Carry I'm the sure Rage. I'm sure they're very similar. There is a great moment in Carry the Rage where this girl kills herself, and... Because it's the 90s, there's at least one character walking around with a video camera all the time. <laughs> and he comes up, he's like, oh my god! Who's gonna tell Chad his car's busted? Like, it's it's fucked up. That's it's, great. It's funny, but I remember being very good. Yeah, I remember renting it when it came out, but I remember the tattoo spreads and that's it. Oh, that's <laughs> right, the tattoo moves. Yeah, that's it. And the girl that was, like, Harry's friend is now the teacher version of that same woman from the oh first she's movie. in it yeah she grows up she's like you know the teacher that befriends carrie and is kind of like defending her yeah. and whatnot. that's the, the role this oh, girl plays now that's good yeah she would she yeah. was nice wouldn't you though like the, the entire school burns down except for you you'd probably become a teacher maybe you know what i'd probably just become crazy i'd yeah <laughs> that's what that's what i'd do i'd go nuts okay so what is your fire starter rating uh i'd uh I really don't like Firestarter. Like, I've never liked Firestarter. I groaned when we wanted to do this, or I groaned when we talked about doing this episode. I'm giving this a one out of four. Wow. <laughs> I don't like Firestarter at all. I find it so very boring. Um, I'm going to give this a one and a half out of four. Yeah. Oh, oh, so now my rating is so fucking low. I was going to give it a two, but you're right. It's not great. Yeah. I love George C. Scott. Uh, I think Martin Sheen, they're in, not in this movie. Uh, I just think in, in, in general. I like his hairdo in this movie. <laughs> Martin Sheen? Yeah. It's some good hair. I wish my hair was that thick still. Like, fuck, he looked great. But No, it was... I loved it because it was absurd. Oh, it looks all you can Okay, so David Lynch posts a photo on Instagram tomorrow his with that hair hairstyle. A, no, but his hair doesn't go wide like that. His hair has got a really good pomp raise to it. This guy's is just like bonkers. I think it looks weird. I like weird hairdos. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I, li I like other movies that they're in. Uh, and we'll do the Changeling one day. But uh, not this one. Not this one. There's a movie with George C. Scott. He did the Changeling? Yeah, he's the main character. This? He's the Changeling. Oh, I No, oh. he's not. <laughs> I, sorry, I thought you were talking about the director. No, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> Fair enough. But let us know what you thought of both of these movies. Sound off on Twitter at NOFS Podcast. You can head to our Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We are controlling transmission. This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Deadly Grounds, coffee to die for. Made from 100% Arabica beans, Deadly Grounds is horror-themed gourmet coffee. This week's blend is Griselda's Cauldron. Brewed in partnership with the hilarious House of Frightenstein, Griselda's Cauldron is a ghastly creme brulee concoction. Use the promo code NIGHTMARE at checkout and get 15% off your entire purchase at getdeadly.ca. 
And this month, Nightmare on Film Street has conjured up the Wake the Dead giveaway. Enter now at nofspodcast.com slash contest to win huge prize packs, including Deadly Grounds coffee, Nightmare on Film Street t-shirts, swag, and more. Enter now at nofspodcast.com slash contest. We're going to stick around a little while longer to play a game that Kim's put together. I know nothing about it, but I'm sure I'll also be bad at it. I'll give you the title. Sure. It is called uh, Psychic Steven. Okay. And it is about characters with telepathic abilities in Stephen King books, movies, and television. Okay, so I'm I'm just going to throw a number out there. Of the 146 books that he's written, we've narrowed it down to 132. Yep. Very good. Awesome. (laughs) This should be a walk in the park. It's going to be a fun one. If you want to hear that and how poorly I do at it, head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. You can hear this game and all the other bonus content available to you as a monthly supporter of the show. And if you're not subscribed, please do wherever you're grabbing this, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. really helps us grow in the charts. And if you have a sec, please leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps us get the show in front of more fiends. But that's it from us this week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. <laughs>